The fact that millennials are earning less than their parents did at their age isn't a secret. But did you know it's 20% less? Millennials have accrued only half of the net worth that their parents had by their age. If you're like me and this concerns you, then you're going to want to hear what you can do to help close that gap. Welcome to the Reach Your Summit podcast, where we help you navigate the path to a better, more secure future. I'm your host today, Stephanie Brinkman. I am the Marketing Administrator at Summit Wealth Group. Today, David Lee, Vice President and Certified Financial Planner in our Memphis, Tennessee location, will be joining me to discuss how you can make your money work for you. Thank you for joining me today, David. Thanks, Stephanie. Great being here. We're going to keep this episode very simple and focus on those who are new to investing. The problem is most people don't know how they can make their money work for them. Learning how to do this is an important step on the road to financial security. Earning money by trading your time is important, but did you know it's just as important to find a way to make money without having to be actively involved? David, how can millennials catch up to their parents' net worth by putting their money to work? Stephanie, that phrase you just used, putting their money to work, is an apt phrase. I recently learned a phrase from one of our other summit advisors. He talks about the idea of lazy money. You've worked hard for your money, so you don't want your money to be lazy. You want it to work hard for you. For millennials or any long-term savers or investors to reach their financial goals, It's really simple. Try to remember these four things. Number one, spend less than you make. If you don't do that, you don't have money to save and invest. Number two, invest regularly. Investing monthly probably works best for most people. Number three, start early. In a few minutes, we're going to talk about compound rates of return. And if you start early, you put time on your side and compounding on your side. And number four, you want to earn a good rate of return. Um, it makes sense, but you might be surprised to learn what, how different results can be by improving your rate of return just a little bit. Those are great points. Let's talk about the first one you said, which was spend less than you make. This goes back to the first couple episodes of our podcast. We talked about setting goals, being financially organized so you can reach those goals, and we shared different ways that you can do this. I shared my favorite technique, which is using the 50-30-20 rule. I have automation set up so all the transfers take place before I even know I got paid. This is my way of making sure that I spend less than I make. For those of you that jumped ahead to this episode, I highly recommend checking out our first four so you can apply what we talked about today to that information. Starting with those building blocks will allow you to spend less than you make and give you the extra funds to invest. Investing is one of the most powerful things you can do to build wealth for the long term. Let's dive deeper into how interest comes into play with investing. Sure, Stephanie. So let's say, for example, that you put $10,000 into an account that offers a simple interest rate of 2% per year. If you leave your money in that account for one year, you'll have $10,200 at year's end. That's simple interest. David, what is the difference between simple interest and compound interest? 
Well, let's say the next year you have your original $10,000 plus the $200 you've earned in interest. But now not only does the $10,000 continue to earn interest, but the $200 that you earned also earns interest. So what you earned is now earning more. That's compound interest. At this 2% rate with compound interest, if you leave your original $10,000 for 25 years, it will grow to more than $16,000. David, can you share a scenario with our listeners of what would happen if they would add additional funds to their investment yearly? Stephanie, even better if you add another $10,000 the second year and keep doing that year after year. So in that first example, you started with $10,000. You're still only earning 2% interest compounded, but you're going to add $10,000 every year. Now, at the end of 25 years, you will have accumulated more than $340,000. So that's the idea of investing regularly. So we talked about spending less than you make so that you'll have the money to invest. And we talked about investing regularly so you can see the difference that it makes to add money to your investments every month or every year. I think I'd have to agree with Albert Einstein when he said that compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. It sounds like a no-brainer, and one of the best ways to avoid having lazy money by making it work for you. What is the next piece of advice you have for our listeners? It's also important that you start investing as soon as you can so that time is on your side. So that's number three of our four guidelines. Number one, spend less than you make. Number two, invest regularly, as we were just talking about. Number three, start early. If we just take the same example that we just gave, 25 years, investing $10,000 at 7% a year. What if you waited five years to start? You might be thinking, well, I've still got 20 years. That's four-fifths of that time frame. I should accumulate four-fifths of that amount of money, right? Nope, doesn't work that way. So if you did this for 25 years and accumulated 730000 but instead, you wait five years, and then you only do it for 20 years. The total is only $477,000. Those first five years that you didn't invest, you didn't earn compound interest on all of that for the next 20 years. So important to start early. Wow. Hearing the difference of what could be earned in just five years from compound interest has my stomach in knots. The massive difference in those two amounts should be enough of a motivator to get you to start investing today if you haven't already. As a millennial, you have time on your side, but don't let that turn into procrastination. As you just heard, it could mean the difference of hundreds of thousands of dollars. Even if you can only afford $50 a month into some type of investment account, you should start with that. I did. I started with $50 a month uh, quite some time ago. And then as I started making more money, I increased the amount 
I increased that 50 to 100, 200, 500, 1,000. And that's how I've built up my own retirement nest egg over the last several years. I think that's a really good point. You don't need a large amount of money to invest. You can start with a small amount, contribute what you can, and as your budget allows it, continue to pay yourself first and invest to help reach your goals. How does investing come into play when you're talking to a millennial about their long-term plan? I will throw in one general piece of advice there. Um, The younger you are, generally, the more aggressively you can invest. Typically, a high-returning investment is not going to be very consistent. It's going to have some very good years. It's going to have some years that are going to make you wonder if you really should be in this investment. But over a long period of time, which is what you have, if you're in your 20s or 30s or even 40s investing for retirement, you've got a long time frame and you should take on some of these higher returning stock-oriented investments, even with the fluctuation that 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 involves. Again, there are many, many choices. And to make that choice, um, you need to put some real research into this and rely on some, some good professional advice. Being a millennial, it's hard for me to think about retirement or where I'll be financially in 40 plus years. How does this change for those that are closer to the retirement stage in their life? As you get closer to your retirement, then maybe some of these investment choices will shift because you're going to come to a point where you need income from these investments, and that's a little bit different. But right now, we're talking about the early stages of investing when the main thing you want to do is accumulate assets, and the way to do that is to use more aggressive investments. Of course, the logic doesn't matter if your comfort level doesn't allow you to stick with these investments during the good times and bad. So the last thing you want to do is invest in a good, aggressive stock mutual fund. And then when it does have one of those inevitable down years, you become afraid and sell out of the fund. What should people consider when making this choice? You you make this choice based on two things, the logic which says invest aggressively if, you're, if you've got a long time horizon. But also your comfort level is just as important because it must be an investment plan that you'll stick with for the long run. Yeah, definitely. You don't want to sell out when the market dips down. Like you said, making sure your portfolio matches your comfort level is important for you to stay invested long term. That's the best way to accumulate wealth. What advice do you have when it comes to earning a good rate of return? Well, those examples are using only a 2% interest rate. Nowadays, it may be kind of hard to find 2% even in a savings account or a CD. Um, Those rates did exist at one time. They probably will again. But what if your money could work even harder for you and earn an average of 7% per year, for example? So if we take the same example that we used just a minute ago, you started with 10,000, you added 10,000 every year, but now you're making 7% instead of 2%. Now, instead of accumulating $340,000 over 25 years, 
you're going to accumulate more than $730,000. Make quite a bit of difference in your retirement. Where can people invest their funds to receive a larger interest rate like the 7% that you mentioned? Now, Stephanie, there are a lot of choices of, of where you can save or invest this money. And we can't really get into specifics in this podcast. Um, but the 7% rate that I gave is just an example. Um, you can find a variety of stock-oriented investments, bond-oriented investments, mutual funds, et cetera, et cetera, that have rates higher and lower than those rates that we've discussed. And some years in some investments, those rates of return will be very high. Some years, they'll be very low, maybe even negative. But you should talk with your financial advisor about all of these choices. Make the right choice for you. Your financial advisor will help you make sound decisions. Yeah, that makes sense. There are multiple options out there, and a professional will be able to help you make the right choice based on your unique situation. After you have invested your money, let it work for you. Like David just said, some years your rate of return may not be as good as others. Trusting the process may test your patience at times, but you'll be happy looking back 30, 40, 50 years from now. And Stephanie, that's a good point. Stocks going down aren't something to be afraid of. That's simply a characteristic of owning stocks. And if you have a well-diversified portfolio or the right mutual fund, you know it's going to go down, but you have confidence that over the long run, it's going to help you achieve your goals. David, do you have any more advice for our listeners today? So remember that it's not that hard. A lot of people try to make investing harder than it needs to be. When you're young and you want to accumulate money for a long-term financial goal, such as retirement, number one, you've got to have the money to invest. So that means don't spend everything you make. Um, take a certain amount of money every month and pay yourself first. Put it in your investment account. Have it deducted from your paycheck going into your 401k, uh, whatever works best for you. Start as soon as you can, even if it's $50 a month. And fourth, research the choices that are out there and earn the best rate of return that you're comfortable with, with the other risks and things that go along with that. Now, in the next podcast, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of those risks associated with investing and how you might manage those risks for your particular situation. David, thank you for your time today. Great being here. Don't let your money be lazy. If you follow the four points that David shared with us today, then you'll be on the right track to making your money work for you. I'll repeat them again. Spend less than you make. Setting up a realistic budget and sticking to it is one of the easiest ways to make this happen. Invest regularly. This means paying yourself first as much and as often as your budget will allow. It's normal for it to look different for you than what it does for someone else. Start early. As you heard, waiting a couple of years can make a massive difference on the amount of money your investments could earn. Start today. Your future self will thank you. Earn a good rate of return. There are a lot of choices as to where you can invest your money. A professional can give you suggestions on what is right 
for your unique situation. David will be on our next episode to dive deeper into investing. Thanks for listening to the Reach Your Summit podcast brought to you by Summit Wealth Group. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you have any questions or topics that you'd like us to cover, please email info at summitwealthgroup.com. Thanks again.